0: Well, good morning. It's uh, great to have everybody gathered together again in our separate houses. Uh, it's it's going to be a great morning this morning. I so appreciate worship and how it uh, ministers to us. And, you know, we uh, uh, really felt the anointing of God with it. And we feel that, as you guys know, is worship is so critical. And even though it might be a little bit awkward in your own home... Uh, Please engage as much as you can whenever we have it uh, because it really makes a difference in the receptivity of the Word, the watering of the Word, and the preparation of the heart uh, for hearing the Word. So anyway, we sure hate missing everybody and uh, not having anybody here. It's really kind of crazy, but uh, we're going to make the best of it and it's going to be a good thing when it's all said and done. I really believe it actually is going to produce some good in all of us. And I know it's been working in my heart. So anyway, I kind of was trying to think of a title for this morning's message for what I felt like the Lord put on my heart, and uh, I, I'm not sure that I'll use it because it might sound a little cheesy. Uh, but uh, I call it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not call it. The storm that changed the norm. The storm that changed the norm. Our world is changing uh, in ways that we can barely understand, let alone control. But as Christians, we know that God is in control. And so that puts a uh, a a peace inside of us, and I just want to uh, ask you a few questions here to start. Is what changes have you considered since this storm? Since we've been in this whole season of the uh, COVID-19 virus spreading around and really uh, hitting our world in a way that nothing has ever hit our world. Even with 9/11, we experienced some amazing changes. Uh, after that, but we've never experienced anything like this. And so I hope it's capturing your attention. And my thought, second question is, what will you do different in the future? What are you going to do different in the future? And then the third thing, which may be the most important, and that is, is what has the Lord challenged you up on? Over these last few weeks, and I know again we've been through the transition, so it's you know you kind of get kind of get caught up and uh, and just kind of realize wow this is really happening. Uh, But it's time now for us to really begin as the believers, as believers, the uh, what is going on around us? How should we be responding? And and maybe most of all, what is God saying to each one of us? I thought about the uh, concept of storms and. Where do storms come from? And you'll see my connection here in just a few minutes with the term storms. But uh, there's four places that storms come from. Storms come from, number one, the world. And the Bible talks about the, the things of the world are the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Uh, and the lust of the eye. And uh, so we know that storms come from the world, and we've seen how those particular areas have caused great havoc in homes and families. The second place that storms come from, they come from the flesh. And when we read about Paul in Romans chapter 7, we realize that he's battling back and forth, trying to make decisions with, uh, with his flesh. I keep doing what I don't want to do, and, and, I, and so forth. And we realize that that causes storms too in our lives when we don't do what God wants us to do, basically because of our flesh. The third area that storms come from are from the devil. The devil himself. We know that we have an enemy who's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And and then James talks about the whole demonic attack. And Ephesians six talks about the you know resist the devil and be careful for his uh, trickery and his uh, his idea, his desire to come and create storms in your lives. And the fourth fourth area. Uh, that storms come from are from God himself. And we're going to see that this morning as we look into the book of Jonah. And I wrote this statement down, storms from the world, the flesh, and the devil come to destroy us, but storms that God sends, that God, God sends storms to rescue us and to help us and to save us. It's important for us to understand that because we don't want to have a wrong perspective of God, that he's some mean person up there that's trying to constantly stand over us. No, he's here to rescue us. He even sent his son to do that. We celebrated his resurrection last, uh, last Sunday at an amazing service. There's something about storms that always capture our attention, they refocus our minds, and they actually can change the trajectory of our lives. As I mentioned with uh, the whole 9-11, uh, how that's changed travel and how we do travel. And we've never gone back to the same. It's been, it's been uh, an amazing thing how that happened. Uh, and so anyway, my, my thought is that storms often do create a new norm. And I think it's important for believers, we, we love to say, oh, we are the head and not the tail, but that means the head knows what's coming next, and he's not, the, he's not the tail, he's just waiting for it to happen. And so as we look through the book of Jonah, I want us to see how Jonah related to the storm that he found himself in, and I want us to pull some points out of what took place in his life, and hopefully find some application of, uh, of, of, of this man's life for our lives today. And so let's just look through it, and I'm just going to read through some of it. So if you want to grab your Bible and open up to the Book of Jonah, very hard to find. He's a little prophet uh, somewhere between Isaiah and the New Testament. And uh, so anyway, but if you want to find that, I'm just going to read through some of it, make a few comments and then wrap up with some points that I think will be very beneficial for all of us. Maybe not just beneficial, but actually critical. So let's uh, take a moment and let's uh, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to quicken this to us. Again, we want to be the head, not the tail, and now's the time, so let's pray. Father, thank you for the power that's in your word. Thank you that you sent people before us to live this out. You sent people before us that literally gave their lives to bring us this word, this uh, holy word of God. And as we read through it today, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon each one of our hearts our minds, our spirits. Father, we would be made uh, equipped for the the days ahead, as well as we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with your truth, Father, that we might march forward as the head and not the tail. So just bless us this morning, God, as we look at your word, just open up the eyes of our understanding. Allow us, God, to just take a hold of what you want to say to your church in this hour. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's just read through it again. I'm going to start with chapter 1 and read through several verses. And, uh, and, and hopefully you'll be able to pick up some keys here. And then we'll discuss them right at the end uh, when I'm done with that. Hebrews, or, or excuse me, Jonah chapter 1. Uh, and we'll just start with verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and, and said, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose and fled, fled, uh, fled. <laughs> In other words, Jonah ran away. He got up and ran away. He wasn't going for this. He didn't like the idea, and the reason that he didn't like the idea is because Nineveh had been one of the arch enemies of uh, Israel, and they had attacked them. They were also a very brutal people. They would literally take the people that they killed and they would actually uh, cut off their heads and cut off their arms and they would display them on the streets and so forth. And so Jonah maybe was a little bit afraid uh, of them, of course, as we would be. He was also kind of apprehensive about going, uh, primarily because of an attitude that was wrong in his heart concerning them. And you'll see it, you'll read it toward the end of Jonah if we get to that part of it, where it literally says that Jonah didn't want to go because he knew God was so good and gracious that even though they were a wicked people, they were a mean people, that he knew that they would, he would give them mercy And and he didn't want that. He didn't want them to be saved. And so that's part of the reason, maybe the primary reason, that he ran away and a few other things. But let's just read on. But uh, but but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, and I found this interesting. It's here twice in these next couple of verses. Here to flee from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. Uh, there he paid for the fare and went down into uh, into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. When I read that verse, I've been pondering that for a bit now, just trying to think what, what does that mean? Running from the presence of God, and and really it means. Uh, that, that I'm running from the will of God. And so I want to get out of the presence of God so that uh, I don't re- get reminded about the will of God. And I find that oftentimes that people can be that way. We can maybe stop coming to church because we're just tired of hearing what God's trying to keep keeps trying to say to us. And, of course, we always blame it on the preacher or blame it on somebody else talking to us about it. But in reality, we are running from the presence of God, but we're really running from the will of God, what he's called us to do. And that's exactly what we see Jonah doing. He was... He was out of here. And again, his motive wasn't very good. It was like, wow, those guys are brutal. And uh, I know you're going to give them mercy, so I do not want to witness to them. And boy, there's a lot there to actually meditate on when it comes to maybe where we're at, When we look out in our world and we look out in our culture and we see the people that are out there and we see that we've now become a melting pot as a nation, there's one in four people are not born in America living here. That's changing the culture that we live in. And and, and unfortunately, we see them... Trying to change our culture, when in fact what God wants us to do is to help change their culture into His culture, and we. But, but we see this changing world, but we have to be careful that we don't get an attitude. And uh, honestly, I've been a little bit guilty of it in the past, and just tried to catch myself and work on myself. You know, I see you know maybe uh, maybe different uh, groups walking around, and I just think, wow, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I like this idea. You know, and and yet you know, what if God's sending them here? so they can get saved and go back and witness to their people. And I, I just believe that he's setting the stage for the world to experience a mass, <laughs> a mass evangelistic uh, reach that goes beyond what we could ever do ourselves. And so I, I wanna just open your heart to that and just realize that, that God is doing something in this. And, and right now he's actually got the, t- the attention of the whole world. He doesn't have the attention just of America i mean we're we're're we're, we're squealing in <laughs> in it all because we're lose we've lost a lot of our luxuries, but there are people that around the world that have lost a lot more than just luxuries because they didn't have luxuries to start and and, we, and and God wants to reach them with the gospel I me read on now, but Verse four of chapter one. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the marinas, the mariners, excuse me, sailors were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. If you look at verse five, I found it interesting that in the midst of this storm. Everybody was crying out. And then the, the word gods there is a little g. So these guys were all these sailors from different religions, different, different gods crying out to God at this time well they weren't getting an answer uh, as you read on and then they they threw the cargo overboard they they were they were uh, doing everything they could to kind of lighten the load and save the day and and then they all of a sudden realized that there, there was no answers coming from their gods and so all of a sudden they remembered that Jonah was on the ship but he wasn't to be seen he was down in the lower part of the ship and he was down there actually sleeping and so that we see this in verse 6 so the captain came to him came to Jonah and and said to him, "What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, so that we might not perish." And so, all of a sudden, now you see this whole boat of people crying out to their gods. Nothing's happening. Now they come to Jonah. They know he's a prophet. They know he's a man of God. He's talked to him, and they're asking him now. You need to cry out to your God, what are you doing sleeping down there? And I kinda thought about that a little bit and I don't wanna take it too far, but I thought I wonder if the church has actually been more asleep than what we thought. And, and, and the world's crumbling around uh, people and they're losing their heart they're they're, they're living in fear uh, and again we, we don't experience as much as people around the world but we're just sleeping back here and we're not really stepping up to say oh God we want to we want to call on you today not just for our own blessing and our own favor and all give me this and give me that but we call on God because we see the world around us sinking and that we turn our hearts back to them I, I just just believe that would be actually the heart of God, and so we, we read on and. Um in verse 7, and he said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know who's co- who has caused this trouble to come upon us. So they cast lots. That was just something they did in those days. Not many people are really sure exactly what that looked like. But they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So all of a sudden now, everybody knew that the, 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 the Jonah was the issue on their ship. And he was the cause of this storm. And, and so verse 9 says, So they said to him, uh, so he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who has made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So in their conversations, they knew what was happening here, what Jonah was doing for some reason. He seemed to be free to tell them that he was running from God. And and, and maybe these guys would have chimed in and been happy about the fact because, again, Nineveh was a very brutal nation, and they were always attacking people. And so uh, he told them the story. And then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? for the sea was growing more tempestuous. See, uh, they're they're trying to figure out now what to do because they had a big challenge to face. Jonah then in the next verse tells them, just throw me overboard and it'll be fine. Throw me out and that'll take care of the problem. But see, they were thinking, wow, we don't want to kill somebody. We don't want to kill somebody and have that on our name before God. So what do we do? And so finally they started rowing. If you read through the story, they started rowing harder, it says. And and, and yet when they did, it said, God just cranked up the wind a little bit higher and created a, a, a stop. Point where they couldn't go any further. And it's a, it's a very, it like I'll let you read through it yourself, and I hope you do read through the whole book of Jonah uh, sometime in the near future so you can tie these pieces together. It's absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal story. And so they, they fought against the wind, God turned the wind up, nothing was happening. So it says in verse 15 So they picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. And so we see this amazing thing happen when they finally throw them over, the seas calm instantly. It causes every one of them to turn their hearts to the Lord. Basically, in New Testament language, what, what, what verse 16 is saying, that they got saved. I thought, well, that's powerful. That's amazing. And, and, and again, I think, think, think about it for us today and what's going on in our world around us today and how might this apply to us if we, if we handle it properly. And then in chapter 2, it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, From the fish's belly, as most of us would know, Uh, the Lord had prepared a fish for him. He jumps in. Uh, We traditionally call it a whale. Maybe it is. Uh, It doesn't really matter. It it held him. Uh, So he says this in verse 1 of chapter uh, 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, or we could say my storm. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep and into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. And he just describes this whole thing. And then you drop down to verse seven. And listen to this, church, listen to this. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. My prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. <clears throat> Chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying arise and go to Nineveh the great city and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, now, now Nineveh was an exceeding great city and it was a three day journey for him. Basically he got put back to where he refused God. Took him back to the same place and now he's back here again and God gives him that second choice. Okay, here we are, same place, now will you go. Well, he was ready to go. You probably would be too after a fish ride like that. And so we, so so he believed God and and he and he followed God. He took the three-day journey and, and and he went to Nineveh. And verse five of chapter three says this here, and this is amazing. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth. From the greatest to the least of them, and then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, robe and covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And as just a form of repentance in that day, and, it, and it, it just it went throughout the whole city. There was an amazing, huge revival. The king calls a fast, and really, even you know, as funny as it might sound, the fast included. <laughs> (laughs) the animals, and everything. He said, everybody's going to fast now. And the whole city, one of the greatest revivals ever recorded in history, even up to this day, took place where a whole city was transformed. And I think that uh, when when we read that story, you just got to step back and say, wow, what an amazing thing. So I thought, well, why does God allow... Or bring storms. Why does God allow or bring these storms to us? And and I say it both ways, keeping in mind that when God brings the storms, it's for your benefit. It's for your purpose. It's the possibility that uh, you needed that storm. Uh, and I, I just think about a time. You know, it's always, it's always uh, kind of maybe sensitive or touchy to say that God brings something or allows something, and I know that's a big controversy, and I'm just going to let you have that controversy in your own heart. I'm not going to even mess with that. I just want to tell you maybe a story from my life real quick. When I was uh, about 25 years old, I remember going having gotten saved at 21, as most of you know, uh, and then. Uh, I went to Bible college for two years, and I came back, and in the setting that I was in in California, I was so discouraged that I decided that I was going to not do ministry. Uh, I felt that God called me to ministry, but I decided at this point through that discouraging time that I went through in the summer that I wasn't going to do ministry. And, I, and so I decided to, to quit the job that I had and go get a different job because my decision was not to ever forsake God, but I was just going to go make a lot of money and give money to the kingdom. So I quit my job as a carpenter, went to a company, a large uh, building company, an international building company, and uh, started to work for them. I just said, I'll I'll start for free if I can get in. They let me in. I started working. Three weeks into it, uh, I found myself paralyzed up up to my nose. And through that two months of being paralyzed before God supernaturally healed me, uh, through that two months, the, the the scripture that came to my mind was in Philippians chapter one, it says to... to to die would be to gain, but to live would be to preach the gospel. And that, over and over and over for two months, I couldn't say anything. I was paralyzed, tracheotomy, the whole thing, that the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and renewed my heart and vision for what He called me to do. And, 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 and when He healed me miraculously, I went right back to Bible college, and here we are today. Many years later, but it was a storm, and, and God used that because I literally was giving. I, I can be a little stubborn at times, uh, and, and I was done with the ministry, uh, but God wasn't done. <laughs> so, so I feel that, you know, when we, you know, why does God allow storms or bring storms sometimes? Number one, I'm just going to give you these quickly, uh, I think they'll make sense to you. Number one, storms get our attention. Just like this whole coronavirus thing, man, it's gotten everybody's attention. I mean, it's it's, it's actually a little bit odd right now, but, you know, people are looking at you mean and staying away from you, and everybody's, it's affecting everybody. Stores are closed. Everything's closed down. It's kind of crazy, but my question is, is has God gotten your attention through this storm, or have you seen everything as just natural, you know, I'm going to get enough TP. I'm gonna grab my food. I'm gonna store stuff up. I'm gonna get my mask. I'm gonna stay away from people. Is that all it's about for you, or maybe uh, God's trying to get the attention of His church? And I think it might almost be that He's trying to get attention of His church. And I wrote this statement down: Don't endure this storm and miss the Savior's heart in it. Don't endure the storm. In other words, just make it through. I'm just going to make it through. I'm going to watch enough movies. I'm going to stay busy enough, and I'm going to make it through it. But let's go beyond that. Let's, let's find out what God's wanting to say to us first and then to the world through this. The second thing I see in storms is storms come to turn us around. That's what we see in the life of Jonah, as we just read. He had to repent before the Lord, and and, and it made him to turn around. And I, I thought about this, and so I put this down. Repentance is actually used more toward those who have a relationship with God than those that don't. And I find that you read throughout Scripture that we're, because repentance simply means that you need to turn around and go in the other direction. You're going in the wrong way. And so Jonah was going the wrong way. And so God got his attention through this storm and turned him around to do what? To, to help him get back on the path of his calling. And I think that, you know, maybe you're sitting there in your life and maybe there's been a storm that you've experienced something, a death, uh, uh, there's just any number of things that could happen, a loss, a financial loss, uh, relational losses, uh, just a lot of things, uh, and, and, and yet that storm, uh, the storms in life can come to turn us around, and get us back on the right track. The third thing is that storms cause us to search our own heart. When you read that about Jonah, that's exactly what he did. He began to take a look at his own heart and said, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I going in the other direction? To the degree that he did finally change his heart, and he went after the people. And I know he still had a few stubborn streaks there, but that's what he did. So st- storms cause us to search our own heart. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 And you'll be very familiar with this. It's a wilderness. They were in the wilderness. And it says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way through these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, (laughs) and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. You see, whatever's in your heart is what you're going to do. And for Jonah, it wasn't in his heart to do it, so he wasn't about to go. He was going to go in the opposite direction. And yet, he's coming back. But God gave them into the wilderness. In the wilderness, he was testing their hearts. The fourth thing is storms test the quality of our faith. test the quality of our faith. James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So God's out for a people that do have great faith. And we see that throughout Scripture. They had people with small faith, uh, medium faith, and very great faith. And God's wanting to let this storm become a test of your faith. What have you begun to put your trust in? Which way are you looking for your provision right now? Is it from the government's stimulus check? Or are you really literally crying out to God to say, God, you could miraculously make a provision for me? And that's really your desires that I wouldn't put my trust in a stimulus check. Uh, but that we would put our trust back in the Lord and we would begin to operate our faith in that fashion to where our faith is stepping forward and we're we're waking up every day saying, God, you are my provider. You shall meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. You know, if you say that enough, you'll probably really start to believe it. And when you start to believe it, then God's gonna begin to respond to it because he responds always to faith. He always responds to faith. He loves faith. He loves to see your faith sprout. And if you'll begin to call out to him, I think you'll begin to see it. And, and, and I would just really still encourage you even about the whole financial thing that we're going through. Don't let your trust be in this world. The fifth thing, and I think this is maybe the one that excited me the most, and I believe that we will see the results of, is storms cause people to inquire of the Lord. And that's exactly what we saw on the ship. All those sailors, all those rough sailors that had their own gods, all of a sudden found out that their gods were worthless. But when they found Jonah's God, the true God, the one God, when they, they, called, when they had Jonah call on him, they saw their God, that, the, the, the one true God, make his move, calm the storm. And we've seen this before in scriptures, but we, 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 the people inquired of him and it was this, that, that moment that changed the lives of those sailors. It said they made a vow. All of them made a vow to the Lord. They gave their hearts to the Lord. And I just think that's so powerful. And I wonder if as a church, as a person, is that what we're looking to now? We've already set our hearts on God. We already trust in Him. We're always going to count on Him. We know He's going to bring a provision for us. He's going to take care of us. And now are we starting to think about what His heart's thinking about? He's thinking about people. He's thinking about people becoming born again, those that are far from God, getting close to Him as their only answer because He's really the only answer. Even if we feed them, we don't help them. But if we can get them to know the only true God, We have changed their lives for an eternity. And I think that's an exciting thing. And I think, are we ready even to receive the harvest? Are are you ready to receive the harvest? You know, I think we, as a church, and I think this is what he's going to try to adjust in the church, is he's going to try to shake us up a little bit to show us maybe how, uh, how, how inward focused that we are. We're more concerned about ourselves, and we're excited about praying in faith and having God bring this amazing provision or this amazing healing. But we might not be extending that out to a lost and a dying world that's out there uh, much more broken than we are even in the condition that we're at. They're in much worse shape than we are. And and maybe God wants our hearts to start turning toward that. Why? So we can begin to intercede for that. We have a day of prayer that's coming up that we're going to creatively work out are we going to cry out to God on behalf of people or will it will all be about us? And God wants us, to be, wants us to be about the world. He said if we would seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, he'll take care of all the things that we're running out of at the stores now. And he will expand it. And we see that in, through the scriptures, the miraculous provision. We're in a day where we need miraculous provision. Let's start going for it. Let's be prepared for it. So how can we be ready? Let me just give you a few quick pointers here and then... We'll wrap it up this morning. Number one, recognize what God is doing. They had to wake Jonah up. He's in the boat sleeping in the bottom. They had to wake him up. And Luke chapter 12 and verse 56 says, You fools... You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and the sky, but you do not know how to uh, interpret the present times. I think about 1 Chronicles 12, 32, very familiar. Uh, Sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. They had to understand the times so they would know what Israel ought to do. Psalms 105, verse 4. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for the signs of what? His presence. Be alert for the signs of his presence. See, it's time that we, as a church, begin to know what God's doing. If I'm focused on myself and my own care and how am I going to make it, I'm going to miss what he's saying. I want to I ask every one of us to maybe re-examine uh, how are we going to know the times and seasons that we're living in? How will we know that? The only way to know it is really if we keep reading His Word. His Word brings light to our spirit and our understanding. If we keep spending time in worship, worship draws His presence into our life. If we keep spending time in prayer, I mean really time in prayer, uh, where we're crying out to Him, not again, just for our own self, but God, help us to see where we're at, what we're doing, so that we can fulfill the purposes that you have in your heart for the world today that's dying. And then I think the, the, third, the fourth thing would be the Word, worship, prayer, and our gatherings. Our gatherings are very important. And I don't have time to go into this, but I think, wow, there was a people back in the Old Testament that went into bondage because they decided that the Sabbath wasn't important. Meeting together wasn't important, that they could just begin to skip that. And man, we're seeing that in our day, and, and again, I don't have time to go into it, but I wonder if that's not a part of the impact here. We're just, you know, the house of God, is it important or is it not? We've got to make those decisions and, uh, before, before the Lord, and, 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 and I think that's important to us. The second thing that I would say to be ready for the day we're living in is to begin to exercise your faith. I've said it often, you know, are you a believing believer? Or are you just a believer? Or maybe even worse, unbelieving believer. Acts says this here, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great signs and wonders among the people. Uh, we we got to exercise our faith. And I would just maybe say this, is just begin to pray the prayers of faith but also begin to see how you can exercise your faith. Connect with people, pray for people, reach out to people, have faith for people, and begin to literally exercise your faith in ways like you've never done before. The third thing is to stir up your hope. Stir up your hope. You know, that's one of the words when we read Corinthians and the whole chapter, uh, when when he wraps up chapter 13, uh, the 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 three things that he mentions was faith, hope, and love. We don't do a lot about the hope, I don't think, as as maybe a major part of what God wants, but I want to challenge you. Stir up your hope. Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous brings joy. The hope of the righteous brings joy. The word hope means a joyful and confident expectation. A joyful and confident. How's your hope today? Is your hope strong today? Do you have this joyful expectation that the, God's going to bring good out of anything that whether the enemy brought it or not, he's going to bring good out of it? Or, or are you, again, are you just sitting back just, you know, with no anticipation? I mean, I'm, I've been anticipating, wow, God, what are you going to do with this? because you're going to turn it to good. We know that because you're out for us. You're out for the people of the world. What will you do with that? It's not going to stir that hope up inside of me or I will start watching the news. I'll start watching the people. I'll start seeing what's going on around me and allow that just to put a damper in my hope. Hope is critical in this day. And and again, it's like faith, hope, and love. They come together. Uh, Psalms 39 and verse 7 and so the Lord, and and so Lord, where do I put my hope? And then He tells them, "My hope only is in You. My hope is in You. Is your hope in the in the Lord today? I hope it is. I trust it is. Uh, the fourth thing that we can do is just to renew our faithfulness again. How are you being faithful to the call of God in your life? What has God called you to do? What has He stirred in your heart to do that one day you did diligently, you did fervently, you did out of a heart of love and excitement, and you couldn't wait to do what God called you to do? Or has that, has that relaxed back to where now it's just, well, if it fits, if it's convenient, I'll do the will of God. Well, God wants you to do, <laughs> He wants you to keep your faithfulness and to renew it like it used to be. Um, the last point and, and, and it's, it's to do all that you can now. Don't wait. Let's not just wait this thing through. Let's see what God wants to do and begin to plan for it. And I think this scripture may say it the best. Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 4. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither uh, be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame." So God has an amazing plan for us, and how are we preparing for it? Are we right now starting to prepare for it? And again, many of us do have a lot of extra time on our hands. We're stuck at home. And and many of us have busied ourselves so much with what's happening or what we can do around the house that we've maybe forsaken this aspect of what is God going to do through this? How does God want to use his people, you, me, his church, through this? What will we do to be prepared? How will we be different by by the time we get through this storm? And and I just want to challenge us up. And I just want to pray for us right now because I just feel it's a critical time for us not to waste. Let's spend more time in prayer. Let's build a habit of the Word. Remember uh, the the, the small steps that we take in the series we talked about before. Let's, Let's begin to take those steps of action because before you know it, we will be back to work. It's going to be quicker than you think. It's going to be happen all of a sudden, and then we might be a little busier than we thought, and we may not have gained a thing through this whole challenge. Jonah responded to God. He went to Nineveh, and he uh, led that whole city to Christ. And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing. And what does God have for you through this storm? So let's just pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for just the confidence that we can have in you. God, we can put our trust in you. Our hope can be in you. You're the solid rock and the foundation. We say it, we quote it, but today we believe it like never before. I pray for everyone, Lord, that's watching that, Father, the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us and it would put a new charge inside of each one of us, a charge of your Holy Spirit, and we wouldn't be like Jonah and run from your presence, but, God, we would come back into your presence, and we would see the power of God begin to work in us so that it can work through us. Lord, we pray for our, for our world, God, that we live in. You've put us here, and you've blessed us in so many ways, and we want to pray today, God, that our, our hearts would be set on you, our hope would be fixed on you, and our trust would, God, follow you, and we would believe whatever you want done to be done, and that we would be not only watching it, but we would literally be able to be a part of it. So bless, Father God, each and every one of us, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.